You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network, powered by Interstate Batteries. From your truck to your trail camera, Interstate Batteries has you covered. Visit your local Interstate Battery store today or online at interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Iowa Sportsman Podcast, the number one source for hunting and fishing information, strategy and tactics, as well as conversations surrounding conservation efforts and other outdoor activities in the great state of Iowa. I'm your host, Dan Johnson, and this episode of the Iowa Sportsman Podcast starts right now. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Iowa Sportsman Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Johnson, and today we're talking about turkey hunting. I don't know about you guys, but I am starting to get jacked up for this upcoming turkey season. I have some friends who live in the south and in the southeast portions of the of the United States, and uh, they're already able to start turkey hunting, and uh, it's got me itching up here in Iowa. And uh, today we're going to be talking with Billy Pryor, right? And he wrote an article about what we need to be doing now in March to prepare for the upcoming turkey seasons in the next couple weeks. We talk a little bit about strategy, scouting, uh, gear, all that stuff. And um, it's a really good podcast, really educational. It, uh, it, it's one of those things where we don't put the cart before the horse, right? We uh, scout. We get educated where the birds are, and it may make the season go by a little bit easier. And uh, when turkey hunting is fun, but when you kill a turkey, it makes it even more fun. Uh, especially if you're taking out a, a kid or you're taking out someone who is new to hunting and uh, getting them some encounters as well always makes it uh, easier. Now, before we get into today's podcast, If you live around the Fort Dodge, Iowa area, you need to stop at the Iowa Outdoor Shop, the Iowa Outdoor Shop, and uh, it's a sporting goods store for all of your outdoor needs. They have camo, guns, bow, archery accessory, bow hunting, everything you need. I think they might even have fishing too. I'm not 100% sure on that, but what you need to do is stop by uh, their their uh, their shop, their outdoor shop. It's at 1597 Third Avenue Northwest in Fort Dodge, Iowa. If you have any questions, you can give them a call 515-955 4868. And uh, they'll be able to answer all your questions or get you set up for the upcoming turkey season or get you set up for the upcoming uh, deer hunting season. So uh, stop by or give them a call. 
Enough is enough. Let's get into today's turkey hunting podcast with our good buddy, Billy Pryor. All right, on the show with me right now, Mr. Billy Pryor. How you doing, man? I'm doing real well. How are you today? I'm doing good, man. I'm loving the sunshine I was getting. Yeah, uh, it comes with a price, though. Apparently, we've got to deal with flooding now. Yeah, so. <laughs> absolutely. I think the western part of the state is looking to get uh, hit pretty hard or is already getting hit pretty hard. And um, the Mississippi River sounds, sounds the, way my, the way my father-in-law talks, sounds like it's going to be high all year this year yeah i think it's gonna be pretty wet year everywhere in this area yeah absolutely absolutely so before we get started why don't you tell everybody where do you live in iowa and uh, what do you do for a living so i live in carroll county here i reside right in the town of carroll Um, i work here in town Um, i work for collins aerospace so i do a lot of um, machine work making different parts for uh, commercial and military airlines, a lot of fuel nozzles, things like that. Um, basically, if I'm not working, I'm spending time with the family and trying to get outdoors, hunting and fishing as much as I possibly can. Absolutely. How did your uh, 2018 deer season go? Uh, that was real good. I got to take my uh, my eldest daughter out. She's 12, and she used a muzzleloader. Uh, first time ever out, and she took a 106-yard shot, I believe it was, um, at a doe. Perfect clean shot. Dropped pretty well on her tracks. And then the following weekend was when I was out, and I got a nice 10-point, about 140-inch buck. So nice. It was a nice tag out for us. Absolutely. Absolutely. So is it? Uh, do you uh, strictly stick to muzzleloader firearm season, or do you do any bow hunting? I mainly do bow hunting. Uh, during the the youth season, we got her out there, and a buddy of mine took us out to some private property, and he said, I think she'll be happy with this setup and getting out there to reach a little further. So we kind of went that route, and then I followed suit just to try it, and that was the first time for me. So we did that during the, the shotgun season for me. <clears throat> and then, But I always do archery every year. Uh, no luck this year. Had a couple of nice ones come near but always something in the way that i right. didn't plan on until it happened absolutely absolutely i've been there a thousand times it feels like so you recently wrote an article in the uh, in the iowa sports and magazine about preparing for turkey season and uh the uh the groundhog said spring was going to come early this year well he's a liar and it came late this year. So I think a lot of us are really itching to get outside and spend some time in the timber doing spring activities, whether that's fishing, mushroom hunting, shed hunting, and of course, turkey hunting. And there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of things we have to do before the season, uh, the season kind of gets here and we're ready for it. So at a kind of a high level, why don't you tell us what that article was about and you know fill us in on what we need to do to kind of get ready for turkey season yeah of course uh so mainly this article covers in my opinion what i think uh, pre-season is all about um for spring turkey hunting because it's a little bit different than fall turkey hunting Um, you don't have near the aggressiveness of the toms you don't have the sound of toms gobbling and coming in from every direction in the fall 
springtime is wide awake, yep. full throttle, ready to go. So if you want to get out there and get that action, there's, uh, this covers everything, in my opinion, that is the preparation for a spring turkey hunt that can be successful, whether it's uh, getting your calls ready, getting your scouting done, um, shooting whatever it is you're going to be shooting, whether it's a bow or a shotgun, and r- really just learning the lay of your land to figure out where they're roosting or if you're going to have any hang-ups in your way of any sort. It, it just kind of covers everything so that you wouldn't have a problem tagging out day one or day last. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think the I think we'll just kind of get go right into what some of the things that you've already mentioned, and that's uh, the scouting aspect, right? Um, so we're coming off a pretty heavy, uh, pretty heavy snow winter. Where where are you starting to scout this time of year to put yourself into position, you know, to I guess get a get a tom right off the bat. Right. So normally, I mean, with the snow just now melting. What I would be looking for right off the bat is obviously areas you've seen turkeys in. That's a given. But look for where they're feeding. If you can find that there's turkeys out feeding now that the food is visible, if it's not underwater, that's your going to be your go-to spot because right now they are getting out and finding as much food as they possibly can. And as it gets warmer, that's all they will progress to do is get more and more food and prepare to mate. So yeah. look for food. You know, look for roosting areas. Um, basically, if you get out sunset or sunrise anywhere, you're going to hear them calling. And if you've got access to that ground, that's where you want to go. Find where they come down and find where they're eating. And then you're going to find your, your tom ball in your hands. Yeah. Okay. So let me ask you this. Um, you know, you said you're looking for uh, food sources uh, this time of year. What's, what specific food source should we be looking for? I like checking out field edges that are surrounded by green grass. And the reason I like that is because they're going to go straight for, you know, any grains, um, corn, beans, anything that's left over in the fields, any sprouts that are coming up of those seeds that are maybe close to the top, they're going to pick all those out. But what most people don't realize too is turkeys will look for uh, meat sources, protein sources, such as bugs, but they will even go as small as finding small lizards. Um, I've even seen and heard of if they run into a mouse nest and they have little baby pinkies in there, the tiny little yep. uh, hairless mice, and they will eat those. If they can get protein from it and it doesn't fight back, they have no problem eating it. Yeah, absolutely. I've even uh, heard turkeys uh, running into nests of pheasants, and sometimes they can do damage to a pheasant population. Oh, yeah. yeah. They'll crack open an egg, and there's that source of protein. And at this time of year for, you know, most any animal, it's getting what they couldn't get for the last few months. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I just can relate to where I hunt in southeast Iowa, right? And we're talking that the the, uh, timber fingers that come up into ag fields, and, you know, we got some CRP fields that – butt up against uh uh timber and my question to you is in 
in relationship to, I guess, where they roost versus where they pitch down versus, you know, I've even heard some people call these strut zones, right? Finding places where these toms will sit and strut and either wait for the hens to show up or they'll go and strut where the hens are already there. What, what are you looking for in those specific locations? So basically with any animal, especially turkeys, they watch every single thing around them. So they are going to see any movement. And one of the first things they're going to do is say, is it danger? And then they're going to say, okay, is it an opportunity to mate? So you want to be as hidden as physically possible, but you want to make sure that any of the areas you're out in that they are going to be in, it's, maybe a, a low area of a, of a bowl where they're going to be coming from the top or if your area is a little higher, uh, just make sure anything is visible where the turkeys are going to be crossing in front of you. Make sure that if you have decoys out there, they can see them from downrange, that there's not going to be too much blocking it because they're going to strut in the area where they can be seen the most just to show how impressive they are. Right, right. And that's why uh, it's easy, like for me, you just kind of drive around the section and that way you can get a good idea, you know, the, the day before that season opens or whether you're a gun hunter or the day before you hunt, you drive around early in the morning, that first morning and uh, get an idea of where they're at because they'll, they'll definitely make themselves known uh, when, when it's that time to start strutting and, and breeding. Right. Yeah. I like to get out you know, maybe a week beforehand or the couple weekends beforehand and go out like I'm you know, pretending like I'm hunting and I go to the woods during the daytime, see what I'm up against, where I'm going to go, and then go out before the sun ever rises and, you know, sit in a spot, see if it's the right spot, um, see if they walk past you, see, okay, I've noticed that they're all staying 100 yards this way. So that way you don't have to make those adjustments during the season. Right. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Now, uh, what's your, let me just, out of curiosity, what's your weapon of choice during turkey season? You know, I, I always have a, a choice for different types of hunting, but with turkey hunting, I, I, it's a toss up. I just love turkey hunting so much that I end up getting two tags and I'll do a second and fourth shotgun season. And then I do the bow season throughout the whole four seasons and I don't know if one's better than the other. They're both a thrill. Yeah. You never know what's going to happen. They're they're just surprising creatures. Gotcha. And you can get those extra that extra tag because you're a landowner. You can get two in the state of Iowa if you do, you do your shotgun tag, and that allows you to do two of the four seasons. So okay. I normally do second and fourth. Yep. Because you get a little more time, and then if you do a bow, you get to hunt all four seasons. So you can have two total. Oh, so on a, on an archery tag, uh, during archery season, I can kill two turkeys with a tag. With a, well, the archery tag goes through. The archery tag will go seasons one, two, three, and four, and you can kill one bird with that. Okay. And then my shotgun tag, I can only hunt during second and fourth, or first and third, but I do second and fourth, and okay. I can kill one turkey with that. Okay, gotcha. Uh, okay, gotcha. That makes sense. All right, cool. So, kind of, kind of going back to. Um, you know, locating these birds, do you ever do any, um, roosting, like go into the woods, listen for them to fly up. Uh, so you know where they're going to be the next morning. 
Yeah, roosting is really important to know, and the evening time is really great to find where they roost. You just sit back quietly, kind of watch. If you know a general area, you can see um, a lot of times where I hunt anyways, they tend to go up to or up over the river, and they'll cross feeding paths all the way there, and then they'll fly up to the roost for the night. And they're usually pretty quiet when they do that. But in the morning, they light up the sky with gobbles before they come down. Yeah. So knowing where they go up is great because you can sneak in quietly in the morning and get them to come down right over top of you. Yeah, absolutely. Or uh, in my case, one year, uh, I got too close to the tree and I didn't like, I, I was probably... 10 yards from the tree that they were roosting in and how they, how they, how I got away with it. I didn't under, like, I didn't understand, but they, they pitched down over top of me and, and they're strutting behind me. So there's nothing I could do. Right. I just, and then they just ended up walking, walking away from me. So don't get too close is uh, if I had to give any, yeah. any advice. Yeah. And that's where that movement comes into play. Yeah. They can see, anything i mean yeah. the, the whole eagle eye term turkey eye would be just the same thing so one if they land behind you or something along those lines the chances of you getting turned around with a shotgun or swim with a bow is probably zero yeah absolutely absolutely um is there like particular trees that you found or let's say i'm i'm new to i'm new to turkey hunting and i want to go out there and try to find a place where they're going to roost is there a particular location or a particular tree that they prefer to uh, roost in that you found? You know, I'm not real sure scientifically on what tree is what besides, you know, some elms, some oaks, but I know I've seen a lot of turkeys roost and a lot of the more, I don't want to say hollow, meaning the trunk, but the more bare um, oak trees, nice, tall, and they can see everything around them. They don't get up inside uh, a leafy tree and hide like a, a little songbird would do. Right. So um, real tall trees uh, that have plenty of branches that are going to be strong and sturdy, but isn't too packed with greens so they can still look around And because they always watch for danger. You'll watch uh, turkeys sit in a roost and a hawk flies over and it'll get them all riled up crows will do the same thing so they like to see everything around them so just make sure that your area isn't too packed with you know foliage yeah all right all right so we've talked a little bit about scouting and trying to find them and locate them what about calling right and calling is a big part of turkey hunting um what's the what's the trick to calling in a turkey so he said, you know, calling is a big part of turkey hunting. In my opinion, obviously visibility, yeah. that's the biggest. But calling is just as big. Turkeys, it's, it's a strange thing. You talk to one hunter or another, they'll tell you turkeys are the dumbest creatures in the world. And then you'll hear the next guy say, yeah, they're the smartest creatures in the world. <laughs> if they could smell better, you'd never kill one. Right, right. But the way they hear is just as exceptional as the way they see. And they know if you make the wrong note with a diaphragm, like a mouth call or a slate or a glass, if it's just got a a sour tone to it, you'll watch a strutting Tom come in ready for a a, a hen to be laying down and he'll hear that sour tone 
and he'll all of a sudden put every feather down, yep. walk around confused, and he will leave in a heartbeat. Yep. So when it comes to calling, I say use multiple calls. So you sound like multiple hens, but practice every single one of them. You, yeah. Your wife, if it's like mine, will hate you because you do it in the house, and she's kind of already hearing turkey calls. <laughs> but I practice every single year. I know what I'm doing, and I won't have an issue. But I still practice anyways because maybe my call is different this year because it was dropped or something along those lines. I don't want that issue to be found in the field. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So specifically, um, what kind of calls are you taking into the timber with you? So when I go out, I always have diaphragm calls. It's the the mouth calls. You put them on your tongue up against the roof of your mouth and with the right um, air passage passing by it allows you to get um all your your clucks your purrs um anything you would need in the field so i always have that usually like hunter specialty i just find them at walmart they're pretty cheap um but i also keep a, a bullied glass and slate coal with me as well and i don't use the glass side much uh just it seems to be a little not raspy enough so it's like a younger hen and i like to stay raspy like an older mature hen so i'll hit my my diaphragm a couple of times and then maybe 15 20 minutes later i'll switch it up and use the slate and it sounds like i have more than one hen in the area so that you have a better chance of drawing a jake or a tom away from the possibility to okay there's a lot of hens over here i need to get there right Right. I gotcha. Um, do you use any crow calls, coyote calls, owl calls, um, uh, box calls, anything else other than the diaphragm? Um, I have used an owl call in the past and that was, that was kind of a new experience for me two years ago. And I was pretty skeptical about it, but it's a great locator call. You just before daybreak, you throw out that owl call. And if you listen to nature around you, the owl will start hooting yep. just before sunrise. And it basically tells the turkeys, hey, it's time to wake up. Yep. And you can trick them into sit thinking that, hey, I'm telling you it's time to wake up. And you can hear them gobble, you know, 300 yards away. Like, oh, no, they're roosting on the other end. And you've still got 15 minutes to get down there. So that's yeah. an owl or a locator call in general is really great. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of funny when I, when I first started turkey hunting, my uncle, uh, would, uh, we'd be real quiet. You know, we'd turn the headlights driving into a place and then we'd get out of the car and he would, I'd, sh- you know, I'd shut mine really quiet thinking, you know, Hey, you know, we're gonna, we gotta be very quiet. We got to the spot We're you know, we're, it's time to chill. He'd wait, you know, about 20 minutes 30 minutes we'd just stand around the truck and then he would slam his car door as hard as he could and that created that that caused them to i guess i think they call it a shock gobble which that allowed us to locate uh, a group of turkeys to go after and that was something that he did and it seemed to work for him over the years you know i i put him with my brother and he he did something similar to that he brought um, a set of wings with him that we had from a previous turkey hunt. And we were out in the woods. We made it about halfway to where we were, and we just hung out for 10 minutes or so. And he 
hit the tree with his boot and slapped his wings a whole bunch against the side of his legs in the grass. And that woke up the woods like you wouldn't believe. And I said, that was shocking. I said, aren't you going to scare him away? He said, no, I sound like a, you know, something that's going to get their attention and not you know, be a threat to them. So, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so a gobble, do you ever, do you ever bring a gobble into the woods with you? A gobble call? You know, I wish I could. I, I've seen plenty of people do it, and it's it can be effective. I am not good enough to do something like that. And the reason I say that is because just like with decoys, you don't want it to be too aggressive. And you really need to know your calls. When I said about being sour before, a gobble is not a call that that you can really mess up. I mean, if it's done correctly, they'll answer. The problem that I have with a gobbler is if you have what you consider a shooter, Tom, come in and you gobble at it, he may say, you know what, That's I don't want to deal with that. That, that guy sounds tough, right. and he may be out of the area. So I, I stick to hen calls because it, it attracts in hens, it attracts in jakes, it attracts in toms. And I just, I, I don't know, I'm kind of scared to be the one to scare them away and ruin my own hunt. So I, I've kind of always left that alone, but I've seen plenty of people do it i guess if you're more knowledgeable about it that would be a great tactic just not for me yeah yeah it's something that i've uh i've never used in the past uh uh, i've got friends that use them but i never i've never used it now don't make fun of me but i for some reason cannot figure out how to use a diaphragm call uh for turkey hunting i sound horrible like, I, I don't know. And, and, you know, it mentions in the, the first paragraph of the calling portion of your article, it says practice, practice, practice. I practiced so much one year that I think it was the reason that girl broke up with me because I was, you know, I did it so long and I, I was so crappy at it that she's like, that's enough. I'm out. <laughs> right. See, with a, with a diaphragm, it, it, that's the bad thing is there's no other advice I can give you besides practice, practice, practice. Right. But the good thing is these days with the technology we have with YouTube being right at our fingertips, YouTube, every video you can, somebody's going to say something to be like, Oh, that way. Okay. And it'll come to you. My, my oldest daughter, she's been practicing. She wants to go out this season during youth season. And it's just been a, a house full of, it sounds like geese that may have been hit by a car, <laughs> but every now, and then, every now and then she gets that one note and it's like, that's it right there. Do that again. And she'll get closer and closer each time. And I mean, we've worked on it months. So it's, it's not an easy task. Some people get it. Some people don't. So I just keep trying. There's different diaphragm calls that have different cuts. Um, you can read in the box of each one it'll say that this is cut twice to make this raspier sound to make an easier call right you know you can get primos has multi-packs that have three four different kinds of them try a different one maybe that'll be your your niche gotcha okay so calling practice um let's see here checking your gear all right why don't you why don't you walk us through why right now is the perfect time to go and check your gear so I do this before any season, um, but I really like to do it before spring turkey season because spring 
is so wet. It's, I mean, it can be hard on your gear. You don't realize it. You may leave something in your pockets and the moisture from the year before when you put your, put your stuff away, it just kind of molded it or somehow dried it up. Everything's cracked and dry rotted. Or your, if you only use your shotgun for turkey season, you may have a little bit of rust on the barrel. So I go through, I get everything out that I'm going to use for a typical turkey hunt. And I go through every bit of it. Okay, does this call work the way it's supposed to? Do I need to sand my slate or my glass on my cold? Do I need to get new diaphragms? I check my shotgun, my bow strings, make sure everything's lubed up the way it's supposed to be. You, you know, you don't want to get out there and have your gun blow up for some reason because you never took care of it. So not just turkey season, but all seasons. If you're going to go hunting, check every single thing. Make sure everything's working. Make sure everything's clean. Make sure you don't need you know, any O-rings or any grease or anything anywhere. That way, most importantly, you're safe. And that way, you don't have to tell the story. I saw the biggest turkey of my life, but my bowstring was frayed and it snapped as soon as I drew back. Right, right. Yeah, that's, uh, I've been there before where I, uh, I, you know, I, I took my, I don't even know, like, like I have this turkey, I have a turkey bag hanging in my garage and one year, I think there was like a mouse nest in it and I went to go take out like this, uh, like a jacket that I always wear uh, during turkey hunting season and it was just chewed up and I got out to, you know, out there and, and I just had to wear, you know, for that, that morning because I was, I was gun hunting. I didn't use a blind. Uh, I had to. I had to sit there with a jacket, like this tore apart jacket. And, uh, I don't, you know, I didn't have one come in that morning, but, uh, it just kind of reminded me that, Hey man, you got to make sure you're checking all your stuff before you, you go out and, you know, start hunting. Because if you don't hell, I mean, it could have been worse. And I, I mean, I, I've, I've, I'm that guy, right. Who forgets bullets or, you know, has something <laughs> on his mind and he walks halfway to the blind and he's not even carrying a gun. You know, I'm, I'm that guy. I've been there. I've actually <laughs> left the woods before and made it 30 miles back home. And I looked at my buddy and I said, where's my gun? And I left it leaning against the tree. And so we had to go all the way back. <laughs> Horrible. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So concealment. Concealment, like I was saying before, being the, the visibility now, when you see a deer hunter, you know, sometimes they won't have anything on their face. And they may have some face pain or something like that. When I am out in the woods, turkey hunting, you could walk on top of me and not know I'm there. Yeah. I have camouflage on my boots, my pants, my long sleeve shirts. I have thin gloves on that won't get me too hot. Um, my face mask, I either have a face mask on or a hat that has a, a drape over it that looks like three-dimensional leaves and every single move I make is as slow motion as I can possibly handle. Right. So concealment is huge. Even my gun, the, the shotgun that I just bought, I went through looking at different shotgun brands and whatnot. And I looked at how shiny each of the uh, camouflage patterns were on the barrels. And I ended up going with a Mossberg 500. Some think it's a cheap gun. I've, 
honestly think it's one of the best guns I've ever had. It has this real matte finish. It doesn't shine, and it doesn't attract any attention from the turks. Yeah, yeah. I've uh, I've been busted on that same scenario where it was a bright sunny morning, and I was in I guess a, the only the only little opening in the timber that had some sunlight just by chance. And I moved my barrel that I, I, I convinced Tom to start working his way towards me. He was coming up the ridge. Uh, he was, you know, strutting, he was getting close to the point where you could start hearing him go, boom, boom, you know? And, uh, and so I, I settled down and I, I moved my barrel just like a half inch and that, and it caught that light flickered and he was gone. And, uh, I wish I could say that was the first time that happened, but I, man, I, I screw up every year. Right. Yeah. And with the concealment too, with the clothing, one other important thing that I could recommend to people that most people don't think of is during the spring, obviously it's colder in the mornings and it can get pretty warm in the afternoons. And I always tell people, you know, layer your clothes. You can always take some off if right. you get hot. Right. If you get cold, you don't have any extras. So just make sure the layers underneath are camouflaged as well, because when it all of a sudden hits 70 that day and the humidity is just insane and you have a black shirt underneath your camouflage coat, you're going to feel like a big idiot having to wear that coat all day. Right. Yeah. I hear that, man. All right. So let me ask you this. Are you like, I was raised when I started, when I started turkey hunting with my uncles, we didn't use blinds. You know, we had guns on public ground and we were covering ground. I mean, that's what we did. We'd, we'd work our way up 50, 60, 70 yards, call nothing, get up, move, get up, move and, and repeat that cycle until we run into something. Right. Um, and we'd do that as long as it took. Uh, and then as I moved into uh, some private ground that I hunt, uh, closer to my house, right. I found that I needed to be, you know, I needed a blind because you can't do all that on, on a piece of private ground. Cause you're just, your, your options are limited. So I, I kind of moved to a blind. What's uh, what's your style of hunting? You know, I actually, I do both of those styles. <clears throat> so last year, two years ago, public land, a buddy and I, we sat, set up a blind and we sat all morning and we watched the toms stay three, 400 yards from us. They refused to come in. We had hens come up to us and we decided, you know what? We said, plenty of turkeys this way. Let's see if we can change it up. We packed the blind up, put it on our back and we're walking and walking and just, we'd go, like you said, 60, 70 yards and make some calls, listen to the direction that they're responding to. Wait five, 10 minutes, do it again. They're still in that area. We had that direction, go 100 yards. And so really, it, I guess it all depends. If you're, I would say if you're more inexperienced, if you're new to turkey hunting, set up a blind, you know, uh, learn the sport. If you've got the, the sneak to get in and move and know when something's coming, because you can tell what turkeys are doing. Cause they, they don't always do the same exact thing, but they do a lot of the same things. So if you understand them a little bit, chase them down. I mean, it's, it's a great time, great exercise. So it adds a little challenge to it. Right. And I'm, I'm to the point in my life where, you know, I have a couple spots where if I really wanted to kill one off the roost every single year, I could go kill one off the roost 
every single year. Like, I mean, they're pretty right. automatic, right? And, and I'm not saying every single right. day, but if I don't get them on day one or two, I, I'll, I'll just go back there on day three and get them. You know what I mean? Like, automatic. So exactly. I really like going and being mobile and just like standing on the edge of the timber until they, I hear the first gobble and then I'll go after it, right? Just make my moves all the time. Now, I have a wife who doesn't like to do that style of hunting. And she also enjoys turkey hunting. And then I got, I'll have, you know, I'll be introducing my kids to turkey hunting here pretty soon. Um, that, uh, you know, that, that style of hunting probably isn't going to be a f- efficient for a six year old. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> right. Right. All right. So, you know, it's the, it's the last week in March and, uh, you know, April is notorious for being turkey season. Is there anything else that we need to think about, uh, or get ready between now and, uh, opening day? Take the tips that I've given, you know, uh, focus on concealment, what clothes you have, check all your gear, make sure it's safe, make sure it's ready to hunt practice everything you can and you're going to be ready. The only thing I can say is if you know of any youth that may be interested or maybe want to just try, if you got the chance, the opportunity to take a youth out there, we're, you know, we're losing a lot of hunters. Our numbers are going down and get them out there, teach somebody something. And I think it's the 5th of April as youth season, the 5th or the 7th. So that, that's my biggest thing is, take the tips that I gave and, and hopefully they can help somebody, but get a youth out there, get somebody out there who's never done it before. You know, there's nobody remembers their best day of TV. They'll always remember the best day of hunting. So yeah, absolutely. Somebody would. That's a great point, man. Well, Mr. Billy Pryor, I really appreciate you taking time out of your day, hopping on and chit chatting with us about Turkey hunting. Dan, it's always a pleasure. And uh, let me be the first to say good luck. Well, thank you. Like I said, I I pretty much can get one most years. So if I don't get one, I'm not too worried about it. I've done it before this year. I'm just excited to get my daughter out and she's going to be out there for the first time. So this is going to be a riot. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I, uh, I'm, I don't know if my daughter is necessarily ready to get out at the crack of dawn, but it may be one of those (laughs) things where, you know, if day one or day two, I kill, day three you know we we get there right as the sun's coming up you know as, as just so i can get her to hear a gobble and i think once i get here her to hear one then i think i can get her to commit to getting up early because i think that's the most exciting part is when they when you have that that call and response that all of us love oh yes the anticipation of hearing somebody or a turkey answer your call, that's what got me hooked on it. I said, you know, I don't even know if I want to try turkey hunting. I got out in the woods with my brother and we had some calls in the morning and I said, wow, they are answering. That's cool. And we had one come from hundreds of yards away. And yeah. every time we got a yard closer, I'm like, it's closer. It's closer. It, that happened for like an hour. Yeah. And my heart never stopped. So I'm hoping I can pass that feeling on. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, Mr. Billy Pryor, thanks you very much, man. Appreciate it. Absolutely, thank you. 
And there you have it, another podcast in the books. Huge shout out to Mr. Billy Pryor. Thank you very much for taking time to hop on the show and uh, chit-chat with us about the upcoming turkey seasons. If you guys want to find more great content, please visit the Iowa sportsman.com check out all of their online articles as well as the opportunity to get the iowa sportsman magazine you can sign up there as well and get a subscription to that Uh, head on over to iowa sportsman.com to do both of those things and uh, we'll talk to you next week